thank you for joining us for today's message. We're always encouraged to know how God is using this ministry to change lives. If you have a story to share about how God is working in your life, please let us know by sending us an email to amen at imtheexchange.com. Also, if you would like to support this ministry financially, you can do so online at imtheexchange.com. Doing this will help us to bless others and bring messages to you each week. Today's message is from our executive pastor, Pastor Kevin Kelts. Please take a moment and prepare your heart to hear a word from God today. Hey, Exchange Church family. I am just pretty pumped after watching that video that our kids' church pastors are superheroes. That's super cool to me. Uh, you know, I don't know if y'all knew that uh, Pastor Ruben actually is Spider-Man, so cool fact. Also, we did have some people ask us, like, why is a church sending out superheroes, and what does that have to do with Easter? And uh, we just had to explain a little bit that the name of our kids' ministry is Hall of Heroes. So we really go through all of the superheroes, and we use them to be able to uh, just talk about different ways through the Bible, and, and then ultimately teaching our kids that Jesus is the ultimate superhero. So I think that's really cool. Just a shout out to that ministry and that great impact that we just had, and, and you guys had through them through all of your contributions and the things that you do. It's, it's amazing. So uh, thank you so much for being a part of that. Uh, shout out once again to you guys watching right now. Please, if you can, go ahead and share this, this uh, link right now onto your Facebook so that other people may look at it and check on that we're, they're live. Uh, check in on our Facebook page right now. And uh, I'm just going to jump into the Word. I'm really excited about what I have to be able to, to share with you today. We've been in a new series for several, several weeks. We took a little detour last week just to celebrate Easter, but we're coming right back into it. What we've been talking about is our church and the core values that we have. And the series has been called I Am Exchange Church. And, and the idea that we always want to remind you and the atmosphere that we always want to have is that the exchange church, that we're a family, okay? We are a family. And I, one of the reasons that we believe this to be true is not just because of our relationships, but if God intend, intended for us to be anything less than a family, then he wouldn't have called himself father. And I always want you to think about that. God called himself father, and God is a father. He is our father. He is the father of our family, and he is a good, good father. He is an incredible, amazing father. And, and listen, we, when you think about it, are his children, and if we are his children, we are a family. And I always want you to remember that as a family, that when we come together, and when you think of us as, as a group, as a, as a family, I want you to remember that this place, the exchange, it's home. It's, it's your home. It should feel like a home. What does a home represent? It should represent a place of safety. You should have a safe place when we gather together. It should be a place of security. It should be a place of encouragement, a place of, of rest, and a place where it's okay for you to be who you are, for you to be comfortable in who you are. And, and listen, this place above anything else should symbolize and something that should mean to you that you belong here. And we always want to remind you, you belong. You, be, you have a place here at the Exchange Church. And when I think about the word home, I, I've been talking about this, but I always remember my first home with my parents, Kelly and Penny Kelts and my sister, Candy. Uh, when I was growing up, you know, we had a great home. And in that home, I can remember that when I started to get older and I started to go out by myself and I would be um, out either with my friends, this, the thing was my parents weren't there. They'd given me freedom and liberty. Uh, I remember when I first started dating Lisa, my wife now, but she was my girlfriend back then. When I would leave the house, my parents would always say these words to me, and you probably remember your parents saying these words to you too, and these are the four words, remember who you are. They'd say, Kevin, Kevin, hey, before you go, 
remember who you are. And there was a reason that they did that. There, there was a couple reasons, I believe. First and foremost, they wanted to remind me that I was their son, that I, I had a place in, in the family, and that they were proud of me, that, that they loved me. And, and so when they wanted to validate me as their son, and so when I walked out of the house, they wanted me to have a, a, a sense of security, uh, that my, my shoulders were back, my head was high, held high, I belong somewhere, and they wanted me to always remember that. We love you, son. I think another reason is because I was a little, a little rambunctious at times, and they would also say, remember who you are, because they wanted me to think about what I was going to say that night and what I was going to do that night. They wanted it to represent who we were as a family. And in our community, the Celts name, we had a good name. We had a good rep, a good reputation. And so they were saying, hey, son, listen, keep the family name going good. Keep our rep going good. Don't do things that are going to be disrespectful to our name. And, 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 and we stand for something, Kevin. And you know what? I can remember there was times thinking about those words, thinking about what my mom and dad said, remember who you are. And I would make decisions based upon that. I wanted to continue to keep that reputation. And, and, and here's the thing. When we talk about us as a family, the Exchange Church, we want you to know that you belong. We want you to know that you have a safe place here, that we're a family. And, and in this family, we represent some things. And there are some core values that mean a lot to us. And, and so, you know, when you start to, you know, tell people, you know, out uh, in the community that you have a place that you belong, that you have a family, and you say, I'm a part of the Exchange Church family, we want them to already know about our core values. Like, oh, man, I, yeah, I know about you guys. We, we want to be, uh, have it in our hearts and be practicing these core values on a daily basis so they would say, wow, we know that you guys love without limits, that you guys give grace, man. You, you guys make an impact on this community. And so that's what we've been talking about. We've been talking about these eight core values that mean a lot to us as a church. And, and so we want to just instill these into your lives, into your hearts. We've been talking about the first one was we thrive in community. Uh, and I would just encourage you, if you missed any of these or just want to uh, get some more out of the messages, go back and, and look at our Facebook, watch the, the, the messages again, and you'll, you'll, you'll be able to know a little bit more what we're talking about. But I'm going to run through them real quickly. We thrive in community. Number two, we come with celebration. We, number three, we love without limits. Number four, we offer grace. Number five, we take risks. Pastor Jared, he, he brought that message just a couple weeks ago, how, listen, we, we activate faith, and we are people of faith, and we step out, and we take risks, and you know what? When we take risks, we're not afraid to fail. We're not afraid that there's going to be condemnation that comes back on us. No, 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 no. We're going to step out on that water sometimes, and we are going to take risks. And today, I am going to do number six. This is our, our core value to us, and, and it's this, guys. This is what we're going to talk about. We choose to contribute. Here at the Exchange Church, we always want you to know that we all choose to contribute. We want to be a church where our focus is not just to consume, but we choose to contribute. We can choose to be a part. Today we're going to go and look at a story in John chapter 4. John records this story, this true real life story that he saw. He records it about Jesus and, and his, his friends, the disciples. And, and there is something in what Jesus says that I think many times we read very quickly past these words and we don't get the impact of it. And so I want to, I want to share this with you. I want to also give you some context before we jump right into, if you have your Bibles, your, your phone app out, uh, we're going to be in John chapter 4. But this is the right, right before what we're about to read, what happens was Jesus' encounter with the woman at the well. And if you remember that story, uh, Jesus, he, he runs into a lady, she's at the well, and he starts to speak to her. She can't even believe that he would take the time to, to speak to her. And, and um, he, he starts, you know, offering her grace. He starts speaking into her life. He, he tells her, 
all the things that she has done, he doesn't condemn her for these things, and she is just blown away. He actually offers her living water and into her life. She, he reveals himself as the Messiah. She accepts the living water. Her life is completely changed and transformed. She believes in him, and she takes off running back to her town, telling them, he, he, this, this is the guy that we've been looking for. This is the Messiah. This is the real deal. He changed my life. And so as she leaves, we're going to jump right into the story. In John chapter 4, verse 31, and, and this is what John said happened. Uh, verse 31, meanwhile, his disciples urged him. So they come back. They've been gone while Jesus was speaking to the woman in the well. They, they come back and they urge him. They say, Rabbi, Listen, look at what he, what, what he says. Rabbi, eat something. We, we need you to consume something. We need you to eat something. But Jesus said to them, I have food. They're not seeing any food. They're not seeing any, you know, Big Mac wrappers around. They're very confused about what he's saying. They really don't understand what he's saying. But listen to what he says. He says, I have food. I have food to eat that you know nothing about. Then his disciples said to each other, could someone have brought him some food? Did somebody go to Taco Bell, you know, bring him a, a, a burrito? What's going on here? We're confused. And Jesus says to them, he looks at them and he says, guys, my food is to do the will of him, speaking of the Father, who sent me and to finish the Father's work. Like I said before, I, I want to pause right here because I think a lot of times, guys, we, we read very quickly past things and we don't get the impact. There is a great revelation in what Jesus is saying here. And, and, and what I see is that in this, in this passage, in this real true life story that happened, the disciples are concerned with what Jesus is consuming. They're concerned with consumption. They were worried that Jesus wasn't consuming enough. They were worried that Jesus's needs weren't getting met. And when Jesus speaks back to them, he flips the world upside down. And he starts to say, look, guys, you don't really understand what I'm about to tell you, but I want you to listen. My food, in other words, what fills me up, what meets my needs is meeting other people's needs is doing the will of my Father. It, that's what nourishes me. It's not about consumption, guys. It's about being a person who contributes. And so Jesus had a consistent message all throughout his life on the earth. If you remember, Matthew and Mark both recorded Jesus saying, I did not come to the world to be served. He says, but I came to serve. It was a consistent message that he was giving to the disciples that don't be so concerned with consumption because what fills me, what meets my needs, what, what is my food is, is to do what I just did with this woman at the well. I met her needs. I saw her. I saw that she had a need and I met her need and that was doing the will of the Father. That was finishing the work that, that God has to do. And listen to me today, guys, as Christ followers, as sons and daughters in the kingdom of God, guys, we're here to follow his example. We're here to glean off of his heart and what he said, and actually a tuning fork to go off inside of us to go, whoa, 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 whoa. Yeah, no, 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 that actually makes sense because when I've done that before, when I've met somebody else's need and not been so much, uh, you know, selfishness about consuming what I need and me, 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 me. No, no, no. When I met somebody else's need, when I needed encouragement, but I went and encouraged somebody else, my need was met. Guys, this is, a, this is a change of mindset for a lot of us right now. We must have the attitude of Christ where we don't just choose to consume and consume and consume, but we choose to contribute. That's why it's one of our core values. We choose to contribute. All of us, all of us need to, but here's the deal. And, 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 and something that, that's hard for us because this goes against our flesh nature. 
And to explain that to you, it's, it's not very difficult at all. Just go find any two-year-old in America right now. And I guarantee you, you're not going to have to spend much time trying to teach them to be selfish. Not, not, and it's not going to be very hard to get them to start to say things like me, 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 and mine, mine, mine. I mean, you give them a toy, all right, a two-year-old, and then you're not going to have to have a little discipleship session to say, now, when I try to get this toy back from you, I want you to kick. I want you to throw a fit. I want you to just say, that's mine, that's mine, that's mine. That, you're not going to have to do that. It's, it's just in our flesh nature to be selfish, to be somebody that is always about a, being a consumer. That's something that you don't have to learn. It's something that's already in you, this idea that it's all about me, myself, and I. And an illustration that I want you to, to see today, and I, I'll put it this way, is I remember being a kid, and uh, it was always a big treat for us to go out to eat. You know, we were just a poor family growing up in West Texas, and we were always, you know, eating ham sandwiches and bologna sandwiches, and, and we're always on a budget. But anytime we got to go out to eat, it was a huge big deal. And I remember being a little kid, one of my favorite places to go, we didn't go there a lot, but I loved it was McDonald's. I loved going to McDonald's, and, and I loved the Happy Meals. All kids do. It's because that stupid, cheap toy <laughs> that they put in there that's not worth anything, right? The kids go crazy. I just want a Happy Meal, Happy Meal. They don't even eat the food, but you love the experience of McDonald's, and I did. As a kid, I loved it. But then I started to mature a little bit, you know, and I got on up uh, 12 years old, 13 years old, and I would think, man, where are we going to go out to eat? Let's go to McDonald's. And I would get to McDonald's, and it was then that I wasn't ordering on the kids' menu anymore. Now I was on the big boys' menu. And uh, some of the people that are younger than me aren't going to realize the struggle that I had to go through. But when I was a kid, you know, 12, 13 years old, uh, McDonald's had a slogan for the Big Mac. And I don't know if you remember what the slogan was for the Big Mac, but it was two all-beef patties, special sauce, lettuce, cheese, pickles, onions on a sesame seed bun. And it, and it was, they, they put it on every commercial. And, and here was the thing. Here was my problem. Here was the thing I hated so much is when you went to McDonald's and you ordered a Big Mac, it only came only. With two all-beef patty special sauce, lettuce, cheese, pickles, onions on a sesame seed bun. And, and the thing that I hated so much, guys, is uh, people that know me know this. I like my hamburger plain and dry, okay? Put some cheese on it, we're okay. But you start putting special sauce. Oh, you start putting onions. Oh, no, 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 no. And, and back then, I, I know maybe some of the younger people right now, you're watching this, and you're like, Pastor Kevin, why didn't you just make a special order of the Big Mac? Because you don't understand, back then, you couldn't special order a Big Mac. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? It only came with two all-beef patty special sauce, lettuce, cheese, pickles, onions on a sesame seed bun. And so here, here's a little young Pastor Kevin ordering his Big Mac with all that extra trash on it, and then I got to go over, and I got to take my hamburger, and I got to open it up, and I got to start scraping off the special sauce, and then I got to start picking out each one of those onions, and I got to start taking off the pickles, and you know, you know you can't scrape all the sauce off of the bun. You can't get all the, that, that pickle sauce out of a bun. It's still going to be there. Now my fingers smell like special sauce. This finger, this smells like onions. And then my whole life is ruined. Man, I hated McDonald's. Stupid McDonald's. Making it on one way. And then what happened, guys? My life was changed. When one day I found Burger King. Oh, Yes. Burger King, and Burger King was being killed at that time at McDonald's, and they wanted more customers, so they had to come up with an idea to sell more hamburgers, to get more people, and they came up with a slogan, and I don't know if you remember the slogan was, but the slogan was, have it your way. Do you remember that? Have it 
your way. I'm telling you, I could go into Burger King and I could have it my way. I'm telling you, the heavens opened up and I could say no sauce and I could say no onions and I could say no pickles. I could tell them, you know what? I want it plain and dry. That's how I want my Whopper. You know what they would say to me? You can have it your way. And I was like, yes, yes, this is awesome. This is so great. It was life changing to me. I could have a special order. And I know kids are thinking right now, you mean, you mean, you're looking at your parents right now. You mean to tell me there was a time when you couldn't special order hamburgers? You couldn't special order food? Yes, there was a time. And I had to live through it, buddy. And my life was hard until Burger King came along and they let me have it my way. And, and what I want to transition into this morning is that's American culture. That's kids' attitudes right now. They don't remember a time when you couldn't have it your way, when it wasn't, wasn't a self-centered, consumer-driven culture. This is what it's come down to, and I'll read this to you. In today's world, companies are spending massive amounts of time and resources to promote their quality, value, style, service, selection, convenience, savings, performance, experience, low rates, friendly service, name brands, easy terms, affordable prices, money-back guarantees, free installation, free admission, free appraisal, free alterations, free delivery, free estimates, free home trials, and free parking. No cash, no problem. No kidding, no fuss, no must, no risk, no obligation, no red tape, no down payment, no enter fee, no hidden fees, no purchase necessary. No one will call you and no payments until September, Jack. And don't forget to pick up your free gift, a classic, deluxe, custom, premium, prestigious, one-of-a-kind pencil holder, yours for the asking, no purchase necessary. And why would we do all this for you? because it's all about you. It's all about you. That's the world that we live in today. We have become a consumer-driven, self-centered people. And the problem with that is that this consumer mindset has bled over into the church. This is, this is what I've heard for years and years in ministry is, is people come up to me and they say, Pastor Kevin, you know, we're just, we're just looking, we're looking for a church that can meet our needs. You know, we, we just need to have all of our needs met. And, and I can see some balance in there. I mean, I get that. I have a wife and, and four kids. I understand that, you know, here at the exchange, we do want to meet your needs. We, we want you to be able to come here and you be fed. We want to be able to, to speak into your kids, and we want to be able to create connections where you can grow and you can get your needs met. I understand that, but what has come so common to me is that when somebody comes up to me and says that, they say, they say this. They say, you know, Pastor Kevin, we're visiting today, and we're just, we're just church shopping. Or I've, we've even had people that have come to the exchange and something happened that they don't like, and then all of a sudden they start talking about church shopping. You know, we're just church shopping. You know, we're just, we're just looking for a church that can meet our needs. You know, we want all of our needs met. And, and I'm like, okay, well, you know, that's cool. You get like, like uh, so, so how many churches have you tried? And they're like, I don't, I don't know. Honey, what, what's it been like? Um, yeah, I, you know, around 37 in the last two years. And I'm like, 37 in the last two years? And they're like, yeah. I mean, we just don't understand why we just can't find a church that won't meet all of our needs. Can I tell you today, it's because we've let this mentality that was never Christ's mentality slip into our lives. And that's why we as a church are not concerned so much about like the disciples were on what we consume. We are concerned with we are people that choose to contribute. I remember years ago, one of my, my uh, uh, spiritual fathers said to me, he said, son, you need to find a need. 
You need to meet that need at any cost, and your need will be met. And it was in that time that I started to realize that he was so true. It wasn't about me, 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 gimme, 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 gimme. It was about going out and finding somebody that had the same need that I had. If I needed encouragement, I needed to go find somebody and encourage them. And as I encouraged them, I was being encouraged. And guess what? You reap what you sow. And all of a sudden, they were encouraging me, or somebody would start to encourage me for encouraging them. That person, it was finding a need, meet that need at any cost, and your need will be met. And all of a sudden, we've slipped into a place where the mentality of the church is not the mentality of Jesus. See, Jesus does not want you to be a part of a church because it meets all your needs. We do have needs, and we do need our needs to be met. You have value. You have worth. He wants you to be a part of a church where you're helping meeting other people's needs. And I want to encourage you today to, 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 to grasp a hold of this heart and say with me, yes, pastor, I'm ready to live a life that's not all about me. We need to remember who we are, and we need to remember whose we are, that we are sons and daughters of the living God, that we are living in his kingdom, and our food, like Jesus says, is what? It's to serve. I didn't come to be served. I come, come to serve. It's, our food is to do the will of the one who sent, sent us in a response to his love and his life that we choose to live a selfless life serving others. And if we take this on, guys, as a church, we will change not a body of believers. We will change a community. We will be people that reach out beyond the walls of our church, and we will drastically change a community. We could start living out a mission that is making Jesus' name famous, where we're reaching out to people because we have that servant's heart. So very quickly, I'm going to give you two quick thoughts, two ways that you can start to use your gift and serve two thoughts that you can start to get plugged into what we're talking about in this core value. And number one, if you're taking notes, you can write this down. We'll put it up on the screen for you. But point number one is this. You need to understand that God calls you to serve in his church. First Peter chapter four, verse 10 says this. Peter said, each of you should use whatever gift you have received. So there's an understanding there. <laughs> that all of us have received gifts from God. And he says, you should use these gifts that you have received not to serve yourself, he says, but to serve others. As a faithful steward, and if you have that in your Bible right now, your Bible out app, please, please underline that and highlight that. As a faithful steward, as faithful stewards of what? Of the gift, okay? As a faithful steward of God's grace in its various forms. So this verse lets us know that each one of us, we do, that God created us. And when he created us, he put inside of us unique, special gifts. And these gifts are not for us, but they're to serve the body of Christ, the family, the people of God. But what this verse also tells me is that maybe a lot of us right now are, are not being good stewards of the gift. Now, please hear me today. This is not a message of condemnation, okay? Please, please don't tune me out and say, oh man, he's really beating us up this morning. It, it's not a message of condemnation. This is actually, from my heart, a message of encouragement. It's how I've received it. I want to encourage you to, to know, I want to encourage you today and let you know that it's okay. It's okay if you haven't been being a good steward of the gifts that God has given you, very simply, because it's very easy to start to be a good steward of it. You just start using that gift. It's kind of like this. I remember when my wife and I, we first got married, and we moved into our, our first house. And I remember my dad, he gifted me a lot of tools, and it was like an old hammer, you know, there was some saws in there, it was some, you know, different things that I would need, some wood glue, it was just some, some things that he had extra, and he gifted those to me, okay? Now, maybe one of the reasons is he didn't want me to call him all the time and say, Dad, you need to come over here every time, 
maybe he was, he was just trying to get me to a place where I would, I would be able to use those gifts, and, and then one day I could share those gifts with my son. Um, what I do know is this. He gave me the gifts. And for me to be a good steward of those gifts was when something was broken in the house, I needed to go and serve my wife by taking that hammer and taking that wood glue, taking some screws and some nails and whatever, and putting my gifts that were given to me to work. And if I didn't do that, then I was being a bad steward of those gifts. And guess who was missing out on it? My wife was missing out on a blessing because I wasn't using those gifts. And also, in return, I wasn't getting the blessing back just from feeling good for being used to be able to bless her. And, and it's just that simple. All I needed to do is when something was broken or something needed to be hung up on the wall, I just needed to get the gift and start to use it. And it's that simple for all of us. We all have gifts. We all have unique gifts that God has given us. And you may say, well, Pastor Kevin, you know, I just haven't really been thinking about it that much. Actually, I, I'm starting to realize I've been very uh, consumer-driven. I've fallen into the American culture that we're in. I've been living rather selfishly. I, I haven't been using my gifts. I, I guess I do realize I have gifts, but what gifts are you talking about? Well, let me just share with you, Paul, he wrote a letter to the, to the Christians in Rome, and in, the, in the, the name of the letter is Romans, Romans chapter 12, verse 4, and I'm going to read this out of the message. I love the way that this is put. He says this, in this way, we are like various parts of a human body. Each part gets its meaning from the body as a whole, not the other way around. The body we're talking about is the body the Christ body of chosen people. So uh, as, as of today, that's us. We are Christ's body of chosen people. Each of us, he says, finds our meaning and our function as a part of the body, but as a chopped off finger or a cut off toe, we wouldn't amount to much, would we? So since we find ourselves now fashioned into all these excellently formed and marvelously functioning parts of the body of Christ, let's just go ahead and this is where we start to be good stewards. Let's just go ahead and be what we were made to be. But without enviously or pridefully comparing ourselves with each other or trying to be something that we're not. Then, then he says this. Here's some of the gifts. He says, if you preach, so there's a gift. If you preach, just preach God's message, he says. Nothing else. If you help. So you could have a gift where you just love to help people. He says, if you help, just help. Don't take over. If you teach, so some of you have a gift to, to be able to teach. He says, stick to your teaching. If you give encouraging guidance, there's another one. Be careful that you don't get bossy. If you're put in charge, don't manipulate. If you're called to give aid to people in distress. Many of you have a gift that you're, you've been thinking so much that it needs to be in a Sunday school class or it needs to be on the worship team. Listen, there's people in your immediate circle of influence that are in distress. And right here, he says, some of you have a gift to give aid to people in distress. He says, keep your eyes open and be quick to respond if you work with the disadvantaged. Wow, what a gift. What an amazing gift. Use that gift. Don't let yourself get irritated with them or depressed by them. He says, keep a smile on your face. Then he says this, love from the center of who you are and don't fake it. Run for dear life from evil and hold on for dear life to the good. Be good friends who love deeply. Practice playing second fiddle. Don't burn out. Keep yourselves fueled and aflame. And I love this right here. He says, be alert. He says, be servants of the master. We're called not to be served, but to serve, He's to be servants of the master. And he says, do this cheerfully and with an expectant heart. You see, as we use our gifts, like I said, it doesn't have to be inside four walls that we call a church building. I'm talking about outside these walls on an everyday basis. As you use your gifts to help serve other people, Paul says that you're actually serving God, ultimately. That's awesome. That's beautiful to me. He wants us to use this gift that we have to make a difference 
in the world today. And so I, to give you a little illustration, I brought a, uh, a Lego toy set. And uh, my beautiful wife, Lisa, went and bought this for me yesterday so I could use it for an illustration. In this Lego set, it says it has a little over 100 pieces. And if you guys were able to be here today in this illustration, what I would have done is I would have taken and given each one of you a piece as you walked in the service. And, and so it has lots of different pieces. Some of you, one of you would have got this piece right here. Some of you would have got this little piece right here. And, and the thing about it is, is that, you know, one of you would have got, because this is the cool spaceship, Lego spaceship, representing H-Town, NASA. Um, one of you would have got this really cool. This is the, the windshield. And you'd be like, wow, my piece is so significant. It's out in front. Everybody can see it. And some of you would have got this piece, and you would think, man, this piece, since I feel like it's so insignificant. Well, here's the thing. I've been a dad for, uh, I guess, 18 years now, and um, my son, he loves Legos. I've put together lots of these Lego toy sets with him, and I can tell you there's nothing more frustrating than trying to make what looks, what it looks like on the box, but you're missing just even one piece. It is so frustrating. Why? Because you are trying to put all this together and make it function like what it was designed to function, but you find yourself understanding that it's not going to function properly. It's not going to work the way that it's supposed to be. And I'm telling you, it doesn't matter if you feel like your gift is very significant and it's out front, or you're a person that is behind the scenes and, 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 and you're not out front. You, you're, you're just serving people every day outside these walls. I'm telling you, you are significant and you're doing what God created you to do. But listen, if you're not, if you're not using these gifts, then there are things that God, when he designed us as a body to work together, just as the illustration we were talking about, if you're missing a finger or you're missing a toe, it, the body doesn't operate properly. And if the body's not operating properly, then there are things that are designed to get done in the kingdom that they're not getting done in the kingdom. And so we're hurting each other. We're, we're actually robbing each other. And so today, I just want to encourage you to say, it, it's really not hard to just start to activate that gift. Just start helping people. Just start encouraging people. Just start being that person that God has called you to be. Remember, using our gift is something that goes above and beyond this Americanized, self-centered you know, um, this culture that we live in where it's a consumer-driven culture. It's the mindset that we need to get into. The church needs to get to that mindset like Jesus that says, I didn't come to be served. I didn't come today to say, gimme, gimme, gimme. I'm church shopping. I'm just looking that everybody's needs are met. You will actually, it is a trap that you fall into. It's not what Jesus taught us. The, the, the truth, the, the miracle happens when you flip the switch and you take on Christ's mindset and you say, I am going to use the gifts that God has given me to meet others' needs. And when you do that, it changes the world. It's, a, it's time to start utilizing our gifts. We must start having the mindset that says we are going to choose to contribute instead of just come and consume. So point number two. And I'll make this one real quick. Point number one was God calls you to serve in, in his church. And point number two is very simply, God calls you to church, serve as his church. God calls you to serve as his church. You see, the church is created and we, we don't exist for ourselves to serve ourselves. We exist for the world. And in Matthew chapter 5, verse 14 Jesus was recorded in saying this, that you are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden, neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand, and, and it gives light to everyone in the house in the same way. He says, 
So let your light shine. Let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds. You using your gifts to serve others. And he says, and glorify your Father in heaven. You see, as we contribute, as we start to utilize the gifts and the talents and the abilities, we're actually doing this, remember, not not so that we can be lifted up, not so that we can gain notoriety. No, no, no. It's so that people aren't looking at us, but they're looking at the Father. And it's not so that we get the glory. It's so God gets the glory. I want to read this in the message translation for you very quickly because I like the way that it's translated here. Jesus said this, you're here to be a light, bringing out the God colors in the world. God is not a secret to be kept. Wow. He says, we're going public with this. As public as a city on a hill, if I make you a light bearer, you don't think I'm going to hide you under a bucket, do you? Jesus says, I'm putting you on a light stand. And now that I've put you there on a hilltop, on a light stand, listen to this. He says this, shine. Shine. Just shine. He says, keep open house. Be generous with your lives by opening up to others, using your gifts. How do you shine? You use your gifts to serve others. And he says this, when you do this, you will prompt people to open up with God, this generous Father in heaven. And so... In reading this this last week, I really was challenged with a, with a thought. And I, I started to really get in touch with the idea that he is in me. And, and I have his light. And the way that I, that, I, that I let his light shine is by serving others. And I started to think this, is there anyone out there? And, and, and when I think about this, it's today is April the 19th, and so we're 19 days into the month of April. And I, I thought, is there anyone out there who would say, Kevin, by the way that you have lived your life in the last 19 days, by the way that you have served, by the way that you have loved, by the way that you have encouraged, by the way you have reached out to me, in some amazing way, it opened my heart up to God. That's, that's just what I started to think about. And, and for some people, it's, it's an exciting question. Like, yes, you start to think about, yeah, I served this person, and I served this person. I did it as unto the Lord, and I could see, yeah, yeah, yeah. And for some of us, it's just kind of sobering to think, man. Because I want you to ask yourself the same question this morning, Again, not in a, in a condemning way, but just in a kind of a, stake, a taking stock way. Ask yourself, is there in the last 19 days, just in the month of April, is there anybody that could say, that could come up to me and say, wow, by the way that you served me, you know what, I needed help and you helped me. I, I needed encouragement and you encouraged me. You took time to see me. That they could say, there's something different about you. And by what you did, it opened my heart up to God. That's beautiful. It, it really is. And, and if you haven't, can I just tell you, it's okay. We, we have been living in some crazy times, and it's easy to get distracted. It's okay. There's grace. There's mercy. It's, it's, it's so easy to become unfocused, to lose our focus. It's so easy to fall into the trap of this consumer-driven, self-centered. It is, it is pushed down our throats on a daily basis through social media, through TV. Everything is about us, 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 to where we don't even see who's around us anymore. And so I just ask you today to remember who you are. That you're the light of the world. Wow. You, me, we are the light of the world. And all Jesus says, 
I don't see anywhere in there saying, and I'm holding your, your sins against you, and I'm holding every time that you didn't do my will against you. Is that what he says? No. You know what he says? He says, shine. In a response to me shining for you, in a response to my love for you, I am in you. You remember, you remember one day when Jesus tells the disciples, it's to your benefit that I go, that I leave. And they're like, what? No, 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 no. The last three years have been the greatest three years of our life. You're the Messiah. You are the coming king. You are king. You are here. You have all the wisdom. You have all the knowledge. You heal people. You raise people from the dead. You're amazing. How could it be to our benefit that you go? And he says, because if I go, I'll send another and he'll be just like me. And he won't be with you. He'll be in you. To where now, Jesus is not limited to a group of disciples giving a sermon on a hill when three towns away, there's a lady that's dying, that's calling on his name, and he can only be here at one point. He says, I am the light. And if I go, I send another, and he will be not just with you. He'll be in you. Guys, you're the light of the world. You have gifts. It's beautiful. You're beautiful. You have worth. You have value. You have so much to offer. So I just ask you today, open up your eyes. Take the scales off and start to look around and see the need. Because here at the exchange, we choose to contribute. We're not about consumer-driven. We're about what Jesus says. I've had food to eat that you wouldn't understand. It's to do the will of my Father. You know, I heard it said once before that churches today and Christianity today look a lot like an NFL game. You may think, what are you talking about there? Well, in an NFL game, you have to understand that there's 22 players. There's 22 people that are activated and in the game. And then there's also 70,000 spectators. And I hate to say it, but, you know, the church kind of has taken on that rep. Or we're just a lot of spectators. But I say no longer. I say, let's get in the game. I say, let's catch the vision today and, and understand that saved people serve people, that we reach out, that we serve one another. And this last week when I was thinking about our core values and, and how we hope that these core values will be instilled in all of us and that they become more a part of it each and every day as we are walking these out on a daily basis. And so I started to write down a few things about what we see coming forward in the, in the vision of the exchange. And I just want to read these to you. Listen, I've been talking to Pastor Jared and and we just say, you know what? We have vision for a church that's greater than what we see today, church. We have vision for a church that loves others more than we have been loved. We have vision for a people who serve others more than we have been served. We have vision for a church that gives more than we have received. We have vision for a group of people that is so overwhelmed with the love of God that we love and we accept people right where they are and we love them to the point where Jesus sees them, they see Jesus, and they know that he forgives them. He knows that he, they heal, that he heals them. We have vision for a church where every single person in the body of Christ sees himself as a part of the body. Come on. As a part of the family. And that we have a calling on the inside of us that we're not just people that come to consume, that we all recognize we are a part of his church, that we have gifts, we have a calling, and that we we cannot, after all that God has done for us, simply be a consumer. There's something so much more to life than that. There's so much, something so much better to life than that. We have a vision for a group of people that only that 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 
serve in the church, but we don't just serve in the church, we serve as the church, that if our church were not in this community, that people would be upset and they would say, where did they go? Because they were changing this community, because they did great things and they served us well. They made a difference. And we want to be a church where even if people don't believe in Jesus, that they couldn't deny that he has impacted our lives and believe that he is real. That's the church that we see. That's the church that we see that reaches beyond our limitations. And so that's what I pray for you guys today is that you would just see again, that you would just open your eyes and you would see the needs around you, that you would find a need, you would meet that need at any cost. And you would see that your need gets met, that you would serve and serve well, that you would push off that consumer-driven mentality, that self-centered mentality. And you would take on the mind of Christ that says, I didn't come to be served, but I came to serve. If you would, just please bow your heads and let me pray. Father, this morning, I just want to say that I'm so thankful for, for you for your love, for your grace, for your mercy. And I I pray this morning that I have stirred up some hearts today. God, I pray that years from now that, that there would be ministries born and there would be lives changed because there was something stirred in the hearts of your people this morning. God, every day, We fight against this mindset of have it your way, of consumer-driven Christianity, of of self-centeredness, of a church that is here to meet all your needs. And it's all about you. It's all about you. God, this morning, I pray that we take on the mindset of Christ. That we recognize that Jesus did everything possible for us at the cross. That when he said it is finished through his death, burial, and resurrection, God, this morning, in a response to his grace, in a response to your love, that we would embrace our gifts. And God, I stir the people of God to use their gifts. I stir the people of God to refocus to see the needs out there. I stirred the church this morning to be the light of the world and do exactly what you said, Father. Simply shine. And I declare that this morning in the mighty name of Jesus.